0: Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. And that's what I want to talk to us about today, because what happens is, is it's 100% as far as when you ask anyone, they want change, 100%. That, believe me, there's not one person on earth that doesn't want change. Now, there are people that are not in a position of saying they desire change only because they've had so much failure for the change they wanted that now they just give up. But inside their heart, they want change. It's just they're not making commitments. In other words, they're not going into the new year with a resolution. They've given up. And it, it's... it's statistically only 8% if that make their resolutions they make they they follow through with the resolution of the new year only 8% now think about that that's you know when you look at those figures you take the 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 92 right and that's no matter where you're at you're stopping what you went into the new year going i want change i want change and we see it a lot. We've seen it, you know, over the years in our, my own life, my personal life and family and things where, you know, you're desiring these things, you're wanting these things. But what happens is the old ways, those old influences, the things that you've been doing, what you've always been doing, they just keep engaging. And you cannot have change subconsciously. It can only take place consciously. Subconsciously is, is what you've always been. Just like 2020, you went through hell. But again, 2021, you're gonna go through this year and go, well, what's the difference between 2020? I might've stayed home more in 2020, but that's it. There really isn't any change. How could it be when you go through 2020 in in this ugly, ugly thing that we gone through and 2021 is not 2020, not at all, no matter what the media would love to make you believe, and we still have a ruined year. And again, it's, it's something that I don't want you to hear this with condemnation. I want you to hear this with yourself asking you this rhetorical question. Why? Why? Because if you don't start asking this question, you, not someone else, because we can all go, yeah, why don't you? Lazy. Lazy. Why don't you, you know, and we can tag you with anything we want, but we're t- you, you got to look at yourself and go, why, why, why have I quit? Why have I stopped wanting change? Why? And, and I'm not, the reason why I'm asking you to ask that and want to ask those things is because it reveals a question about you as a, as a human being. In other words, it doesn't reveal a question about you as a U.S. citizen but it reveals the question is, is, as a human that was created in the image of God in a fallen state because of Adam and Eve. And that fallen state is continually causing us to quit and not press. That's what it is. It decays, it destroys, it steals, it kills. It's everything lined up with ugly. And we don't want ugly. But what do we do? We settle for it. I'm not good enough. I don't make it, I can't make it. I keep failing. I don't wanna feel the failure again. I tell everybody, by January 30, I'm done. And everybody looks at me and goes, what happened to the big desires you had? And you can look at them and go, yeah, what happened to yours? You know, unless you get around that 8% and then you don't even wanna be around them. You hide from them, because they're walking through life going, yeah, it's all good. But what we do is, is we have to start paying attention um, because, again, I believe with all my heart that the desire of change is something God-given. He doesn't want us to stay the way we always are. He wants us to change. And so the title of the message is Redefine and Redesign. Redefine and Redesign. And I want to start with um, the story of Abraham because it is, the, it, it is one of the clearest pictures of how God operates in a way that we wouldn't assume he would operate. In other words, when we don't assume he would, it's because we're trying to figure out how we would do it. How would, how would we do it? You know, and, and I can guarantee you, if we're all God, we're not looking for a barren couple to be the, the father of nations. We're not looking for you know, a, a couple that's you know, above middle age. We're looking for, you know, some young, you know, teenager, 20 year old, you know, that, that we know that, you know, they're gonna be like a rabbit, you know, and they're gonna have babies all over the place. You know what I'm saying? I, if you're God, isn't that what you would assume, right? I mean, come on. That's what we would do. Now, thank God we're not God. Thank you, God, I'm not God. But what we do is, is we, we've gotta quit defining God as we are God. And we do it all the time, all the time. We gotta allow God to define who he is by His what his word says. Listen, you wanna, you wanna play the Christian game? Keep playing it. But I'm not going to submit to your desires in that way. I'm gonna, bring, I'm gonna bring truth. I'm gonna bring the information for you to be better, for you to have the ability, the opportunity to hear something that says, yeah, I can. It, it, it is available. When you're the worst, when you messed up. Because that's what God does. So we're going to look at um, Abraham in starting in Genesis 17. We're going to get in, in between his life here. And it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, period. Okay, now this is interesting because in this moment, God's going to speak to Abraham differently than he has before. This is a little more aggressive, a little more, I ain't messing around, boy. I ain't messing around. And so he throws down, this is who I am. And then he says, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you, but which I will guarantee to give you And your countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations, not the nation of Israel, multitude of nations. Are you guys hearing me? I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, not just Israel. Are you guys getting this? Many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Now, that's at 99. But see, this relationship started as before 75. We get the picture of him following through with something that God had already told him. So we don't know exactly when God told him. We just know that God already spoke to him. And now we're at 99 and God's throwing it down right now. All right. He's already talked to him about this covenant. He's already told him this is what's going to happen. He's he's spoken this out. But now he's at a place where, come on now, let's get involved with what I have called you to do. I'm serious about this. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not talking to a 99-year-old that's been following God perfectly and that has not screwed up and has lived this life like, man, Mr. Holiness, you know, 100%. No. He's talking to a guy that's messed up. Messed up. Not doing the right things, but 100% committed here. To God. And that's what I need you to understand. That you cannot tie your actions with your relationship. Though they can be tied together. In other words, if you're looking for this walk to be perfect. And you never to make a mistake. You might as well quit now. Because it isn't going to happen. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for your sin. Because you don't need no excuse. You do it anyway. Right? Right? I mean, it's your choice. So this ain't about you know not sinning ever again. Cause that ain't gonna happen. You make that commitment. You're gonna do 30 times before you get home. I mean, it's just the way it is. But what we have to realize, and and, and for those religious out there going, I would not. You already did right now, liar. We, I can throw down in this area that'll blast any any thought that you have because we go to big bold print sin. I shot someone. I robbed the store. But the little ones where, do you believe she wore that? That's sin. You believe he was talking that way? That's sin. You're talking against me. That's major sin. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, 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 we do it. You, you went 46 and 45. That's sin. No, what? No, they give you. No, the law is, if it says 45, you go 45. I ain't preaching to me. I'm preaching y'all. That's sin. I don't care. Anyway, moving right along. We won't get into my you know, shortcomings. But the point is, is all I'm saying is, is, it's all out there. It's all over the place. So don't look at this as, as I got to become perfect. Because God died you when you were way far from perfect. You were the worst. While we were still no good, evil sinners, Christ died for us. Now that you don't make sense, but that's truth. And that's what I need us all to understand because we have an issue with it don't make sense tied to truth. And just because you don't get it or believe it doesn't mean it's not true. How many understand 100% the scientific reasons of gravity? I mean, you you know every jot and tittle, whatever that means, (laughs) of gravity, anybody? No one, okay? Would you, with me right now, walk up and get up into the top of a roof and jump off? Why? I don't care about gravity. You don't even understand it. So here you are, you don't even understand gravity, but you give gravity a deuce, yes. right? Yes. Don't you? Yes. You get, no, you fall, you'll come down. Now, see, you don't understand maybe the term is it's because gravity's gonna pull you down. We, we want to make it as, no, because, you know, I ate too many enchiladas yesterday. You think it's weight or something like that? No, it's ultimately anything goes out is going to come down. Gravity. So we understand that. But we're not understanding the full hows and whys and the scientific reasonings of it. We just know it's there. Do we not? Yeah. So there are times when you need to get to this word and get to the place when it starts talking about you, And it's almost like talking gravity, and you're like going, I don't get it. But it doesn't matter. It's truth. And that's what you got to get over. Get over your feelings and thoughts on the situation and get into it's truth. We learn that way growing up on this earth. Every one of us. No one's violated this principle of how we learn. We all don't know nothing, sit down in front of someone that teaches us something. And even if we don't know it, we still obey it, follow through with it, and start comprehending the, the, the simplified version of mathematics with one dog and another dog equals two dogs don't grasp the full understanding of, of mathematics, but it doesn't matter. We're learning the subject. I don't have to sit there, well, I don't, I don't want to believe in this because I don't believe in calculus. I don't believe in trigonometry. I'll never use it. So here we have this understanding of this is how we learn and how we grow, but then all of a sudden we become teenagers, know everything. They're in their room, so I can trash talk them all I want. <laughs> and you get to the place where you know everything. And so you challenge everything. You question everything. And you lose sight of, of how you learn. And it hinders and holds people back. So here we have a picture of Abram. And God's talking to him and saying, listen, I've already told you what I have plans for you. Now we gotta get serious about this. Now, I see this in, in a couple different ways, but one major point I look at that just amazes me about God is is we've got 24 plus years, 75, 99, 24, right? 24 plus. Now, like I said, we don't, he, he spoke to him before he was 75, So we just have the picture of him being 75 when he obeyed, partially, by the way, partially obeyed what God told him to do. Now this is interesting because what I see here is God now coming to a place where he's saying, let's get this together. From a point of that many years. And he's got messing, he's got all kinds of mess-ups during this time. And I look at this and I realize, you know what? The biggest picture for me that I see and I want you to see is, is God's patience with you. I can tell you right now, if you haven't walked your Christian walk and read your Bible and prayed, you know, an hour a day and you've done these things, after a month, you feel like God's given up on you. I'm talking. 5 plus years. 20, we're talking a ton of time. When God told him, when God spoke to him and said, "I'm calling you to do some great things." And this is what's going to happen for your life. And so he's got all this time before God throws down and says, "Listen. Come on, now's the time." And what I see is this, is there is this Abram's life and there comes now this position where now God is saying, you are ready to go to the next level. So I'm not playing around now. Let's go to the next level together. But he never, ever, ever, ever will do it to where it's all about you and all by yourself. He's gonna hook up with you. I love that about God. I love everything about God because he never expects us to do it on our own because we can't do it on our own, never. I love the picture of Jesus, God in the flesh. And what does he have to do? Get 12 noobs around him. 12 guys that just are just crazy. Crazy. Screw ups. I wouldn't pick those 12. You know, I saw this years ago, and I've said this before, but years ago they did a, um, a, a, it it was a, I forgot, it, it was some type of economics class that established a um, a specific job description and how they would fill out their applications of being chosen for this job description of being a disciple. And what they did is they went through the whole pr- process of who was good at what and what they were doing. And the top person out of all that, when they took all this stuff, the top person was Judas. Judas. He would have been the first one picked. You believe that? Judas. So if we're God, we're going to get 12 Judases. And think we're all that. I mean, he was stealing. Can you imagine with 12? Oh my gosh, that would have been a screwed up ministry. So here we have God saying, listen. Listen. It's been this this long a time. I'm committed. Now it's time to go to the next level. I I love that because again, he didn't quit on them. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've got people in here been you've been saved a year and you think God already quit on you. It isn't God, it's you. You quit. And your assumption is, is, you quit, he quit. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true at all. He's not going to quit on you. If you said, Jesus, I believe in you, if you called on the name of Jesus and you're saved, I'm sorry, but it's forever. He's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you. He's committed. One way trip with U Haul. He moved in, he ain't leaving. <laughs> He didn't get round trip one way. That's that's God's heart. That's God's will. So we have to understand that. I believe once we get hold of this understanding, we have such a greater opportunity to get over the things we're gonna do, the dumbs, the stupids, the foolish, the sins. We're gonna get over those because we have a clear picture of a father. It's the same natural principle raised in a child. Same natural position of raising a child. You get a child that's trained correctly in the the position of love and discipline. God defined love and discipline. They have a security in who they are, and when they are disciplined, they do not lose identity. They're not going to. Don't train up a child correctly where love is secondary. The discipline is tied to identity. And then the child is disciplined and identity is affected for weeks on end, months, even years. It's all based upon only based upon training. So you can train up a child in that manner and the way they should go, which majority of homes that's how we train our kids. Unless you've consciously did the parenting thing. That's not usually what happens. That's not, actually, it's very difficult because you can't go through the motions. You can't go through, this is how you live life. You literally have to stop yourself and consciously think, what is the right way to act? What is the right thing to do? I had to do, I made a decision early on in this thing. Now, when I look at my life and I look at our journey, um, you know, I look at the time period of not having children literally the the world science dictating that it'll never happen to where it happened and I thank God for that just on the basis of what I have before me now is 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 beyond just the special I had kids now it's I have a miracle but also in my, my own identity, my own view of myself, and my own understanding of this walk has helped me get to the place where I'm not perfect and I don't do everything perfect, but I have made conscious, many, many conscious decisions that went contrary to how I was raised. And I can tell you right now, if I didn't do it, I would do exactly the way I was raised, no matter how terrible it was, this, no matter how terrible it was. I would do exactly the same way because that's how we're we're wind that way. We're wound to be people that don't have to think, we just consciously react. And that's a good thing, right? I don't want to have to wake up in the morning and go, what is this brush? And what do I do with this brush? And not know how to brush my teeth. Why? Because we have to be able to do it subconsciously, not have to go, how do you do it again? Though my dentist thinks I don't know how to do it, but anyway, they don't know anything anyway. And you floss wrong. And, and they want to know, well, it's been five years since I've seen you. Yeah, because you ripped me the whole time I'm there. I don't think I've ever, ever, ever went and they did a, the teeth cleaning stuff. I don't think none of those ladies that are doing it ever said, Man, I know you hit and miss, but you're doing a good job. Not one. Actually, in their language and trying to be nice, say, you suck. That's what they're doing. I know it. You suck. And then he's, well, you know, doctor, I told him. And this is, they love this one. It's probably going to be deep cleansing coming next. What were you doing before, man? You were like going down into my root system. All right, moving right along. I've been dealing with dentists the past couple of weeks, so right now I'm offended at them. And if you're a dentist in your day, deal with it, okay. You thought I was going to go, don't worry about it, I love you. You guys know me. I don't fly that way. I'm very emotional. And right now, dentists are right below lawyers. So oh, Moving right along. The thing I love about this picture is, is Abram which will be known as Abraham. He's talking with God. So this guy is from Ur of the Chaldeans. He's a Chaldean, which is in Babylon. So that would be Iraq right now. So he's from, the Chaldeans were known for their astronomy and astrology. They were known for the, many believe the magi came from that group. Because they studied the stars and they studied all the different things out in space. But they also, their major god was the moon god. And, and I believe what happened was as Abram, as he's growing up in his life in, you know, in Ur of the Chaldees, that. Ultimately, he got to the place where he, where he questioned it. Now I'm gonna prove a point scripturally on this, but I believe everybody gets the point where they question and then they either deny or accept. Everybody, everybody on planet Earth. No one is without opportunity. Everybody wants to go, what about the pygmies in Africa? Everyone, everyone. And the reason why I say that is because every people group Since the beginning, and our ability to dig up things on different people all over this planet, every single one of them has worshiped something. That's a hum moment because that in itself proves, proves there's no evolution. That, just that statement I just made proves there's no evolution. Because if you were evolving into, from a monkey into a person, which is just a joke, no scientific fact on this, by the way, but if you believe that, then why would every group turn to a god? You wouldn't. You'd have pictures of your, you know, a gorilla uncle. You, there wouldn't be no concept of, a God because you evolved. There would mean no drive, no desire. There's no void. You came from a monkey. Are you guys hearing me? now? are you hearing what I'm saying? But because every group, I don't care where you go, what country you go into, I don't care the deepest jungles or the driest deserts, you pull up artifacts, they're going to be worshiping something. Why? If there's no God, because this is truth. We just don't want to think about this stuff. we just led astray by dumb people. Common sense takes care of dumbness all the time. All the time. Common sense. But we, we think you can't be that way in this day and age. And we all should be. We all should be. And so when you start looking at this, you're starting, okay, there's this concept, this picture of God, and Abram's like going, I don't believe there's this moon God because this moon God, we got to create an image of him or her. And then we got to dress him. And we gotta, we've got to do the making of it and create an idol to worship it. Now, does that even make sense? If it's a God, why does it need us to dress it and make it and, and create little things for it? If it's God, a God, God, why do we have to create the image of it? Exactly, you wouldn't have to, it was God. And that's what we see in scripture. God doesn't need a created thing for him because he created everything. But those fake, false gods all need to have an idol picture of it. All of them. What would Israel do? They had God. And then they'd get away from God and what? Create idols. Make golden calves. I mean, it's the stupidest stuff in the world. But that's what they would do. What do we do? We do the same thing. We create idols to take the place of God. That's what we do. We create idols. Things that will take up our Time in life to get us directed away from the Creator. So we start worshiping creation. It can be a job, it can be anything that's taken priority over your life. And a lot of people have problems in these areas. But we've got to get to the place where we start getting connected with God correctly. And let's allow this information to set us free because this is what the Bible's for. Jesus, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. His statement is I've come to set you free. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come to get you freedom, 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 freedom. And so we start looking at this, we start realizing okay, then I need to tie the answer of freedom to everything in my life. Am I free in this area? Am I free in this area? And if I'm not, then I need to get truth to get me free. But first and foremost, we got we got we have to get to the place of this identification, because God says, "Listen, I've given you this amount of time, and you're still dragging your feet. You're still dragging your feet. You talk to me, you worship me, but you're still dragging your feet. Understand this. Abram would build build you know uh, sacrifice uh uh." stone areas where he'd sacrifice to God and he'd worship God. And he would do this and he'd communicate to God and God would talk to him, but he still was dragging his feet. Why? How's this gonna happen? I wish you'd believe this. I wish you'd do this. And, and consistently, not putting his full, full faith in God, his trust in God. And that's something we have to pay attention to. Now, how many years? Because God be talking to him? Abram, I got a covenant with you. How many times has God openly talked to you? Yeah, exactly. You'd think if he'd just come up to you and start talking, hey, I know it'd be scary and you'd probably go, oh my God, run. But the point is, is he's got him talking to him and he's still dragging his feet. This is crazy, is it not? So here we have Abram coming out of this thing and all of a sudden, he's hearing God. Jesus said, he said, Jesus said this. He says, Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. He's letting us know that if you're going to turn to God, you ain't, you ain't going to a closed door. All right? Psalms 142 2 says this The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race, He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. If anyone seeks God. God's looking down. And he's looking for that person. That person like me that one day in my room was sitting there going, I don't know. Are you real? Are you real? Y'all, I know everybody in here. You've had these moments in your life where you are just throwing it up to God like, I just don't know. And I'm telling you. God has never, ever, and this is honest truth, over my life of serving him and starting this walk, he's never, ever let me down. I've let myself down. People have let me down. But I'm telling you right now, God has never, ever, ever let me down. Never. And he'll never let you down either. The problem is, is we create these things, these these little tests and requirements for God to meet before we even believe or trust Him. Right. Well, God, if you don't take the answers by tomorrow, I'm just not going to serve you. Yeah, and then something bad will happen, you'd be doing the jailhouse. God, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you. You know, it's just crazy. Crazy, crazy how people are. But this is very interesting how God's saying, listen, you seek, you're going to find me. Romans one eighteen says this, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though every. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. That means everything creation speaks out, there is a God. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like, As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, and animals. Can you imagine that? So instead of worshiping a real God that wants to have a real connection with me, I'm going to carve out an animal and start worshiping that. Is that crazy? Like I said, every, every people group that we've been able to dig up and get information on, no matter how long ago, has some type of picture, some type of connection with worshiping something. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. Very amazing. So we don't have to create an aisle. We got God. Amen? Now, when you, when you look at this information, I want you to go to Hebrews, I mean, Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12. And this is what him at 75. Now the Lord had said to Abram, what did he do? The Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him that curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. And Lot, his nephew, went with him. So what we have is we have the picture of many Christians. Partial obedience. Some scriptures obey, some scriptures I'm not going to read today. Some scriptures obey, some scriptures not gonna read today. Anybody ever do something like that? Yep, uh-huh, I don't need you to raise your hands, I already know you have. <laughs> or you're not even reading the Bible. Because there are gonna be times you're gonna read the Bible and go, whoop, well, let's go past that one. If you look at a woman to lust, so, oh, we won't go there, we won't go there. I mean, there's so many different scriptures that you can go and look at and go, not today but I need to read the Bible because I need God to love me. Come on. I didn't pray today and we think something's gonna go wrong. I didn't worship God today, we think something's gonna happen bad to us. This is what religion does. This isn't scriptural. This is what religion does. I wasn't good enough today, I shouldn't have done this. No, the, the bad thing is because you made a bad choice or you got close to someone that made a bad choice. In other words, you're going through a green, they run a red. You you didn't do anything wrong. They did. It's a world we live in. It's an evil, mean, nasty, ugly world. It wasn't created that way, it became that way. And so here we are. So we have a responsibility. Responsibility to what? Pay attention to life. That's all, pay attention to life. Let God connect in that life with us. Let him be real in our life daily. And so what he does with Abram, he gets him to a position of, listen, I've given you enough time. We've gone through enough time and now it's time for you to really pay attention to what I'm saying. We're not, I don't wanna go any further with another 24 years. I want you to jump on this Jump on this wagon that I want you to get on and let's go into the destiny that I have presented. And so he goes again in Genesis 17 and he says, I need you to hook up with me. Then he says, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abram. To Abraham. Now, notice what happens. He gets into something that in the natural is for a parent to do. Right? Or how many parents I have in here? You go to the neighbor and say, hey, what do you want to call this thing? We don't do that. We're the parents, right? I'm in mean, this day and age. I'm sure someone's going to get out there and go, hey, you know, get, you know, give me 100 likes and I'll name them whatever you like. All right, anyway. So the point, the point is, is, this is something that is tied to the parent. And now God is going to Abram and saying, I am changing your name to Abraham. Sarai, I'm changing your name to Abraham. Sarah, And there's so much involved in this because if you look at the picture of Abram to Abraham, all he's doing is he's adding the ha to it. And that literally is transforming him from this picture to a new picture. Just by him adding the ha, Sarah. He does the same thing with Sarai. He changes Sarai to Sarah. That's God breath. God breathing. So God breathed on Abram to make him Abraham, father of many nations. Sarah from Sarai is interesting because it goes from princess to princess. Abram is different than Sarah, which is interesting because there's no literal big transformation other than what God does to that name. And Sarah or Sarai has been barren all these years. If you talk to any woman that's married, that wants to have kids, they have such a difficult time in an area of guilt, condemnation, pain of not being able to have a child. I've never seen any woman that wanted to have kids happy that she hasn't been able to have kids yet. Never. It's just a terrible traumatic thing. And there's this battle, there's this warfare, there's a stance of faith, there's all these things involved in it And here she is in a place where Abram's been saying, "This is what God wants. We're gonna have kids, and you know, we're gonna have nations. We're gonna, we're having all this." And Sarah's like going, "Dude, I don't know how's this gonna happen." So much so that she goes, "Take my maid." I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? How is the maid going to change her? But the concept was: is this position of ownership was as if. Once she hands a maid in that position of ownership, it becomes like hers. But it didn't work out that way. And so, again, Abram follows, you know, advice of his wife, which that really is like, I, I just, Abram's like going, no, nah, no, nah, I, I don't want that, the younger maid. No, nah, don't want anything to do with her. And Sarah's like going, take the maid. And you're like, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. This whole picture is crazy. So what he does is he takes a maid and has a kid. Now what are we going to do? Because right now Sarah's like, she backtracking already. I didn't say take the maid. I don't know what you were hearing. You know, she's like, she, she went off on him. She's like going, no, no, God's our judge. I'm just, I'm like, I ain't dealing with this thing. And Abram's you know what he's doing? He's freaking out, you know, because he's married, you know. And so here, this big picture and this traumatic experience to where he's finally going, I don't know what to do about this. And so they still go through life and doing their thing. And they're having all these issues, all these frustrations, and God's called them to be this great man that's going to impact the world. And so he changes the name, and the reason why he does that is because he needs Abram to start seeing something that Abram has seen His life. He needs him to start seeing something bigger than who he is. A destiny that's larger than him. Because God isn't going to give you a destiny that you know you can do. That's not what God does. He's going to give you something that you know you can't do. Why? Because he wants you to know that you and him together, there's nothing impossible. You by yourself, all kinds of impossibilities. All kinds. But you and him there's no impossibility, none whatsoever. And so in that here, you have this picture of the communication to Abraham. Now Abraham, with his name changed, he has to now go to his wife. My name's Abraham now. He's, God changed your name. He changed my name. Go, he goes, got to go to everybody else around him. My name, guys, don't call me Abram no more. Call me Abraham. Can you imagine being one of his guys? <laughs> Abraham. Because see, they know what the Hebrew word means. Father of many nations. And now they're looking at him like, ooh, Abraham thinks he's all that. Father of many nations. But see, they're required now to call him by that name. Think about this. Now he's going through life, waking up. Hey, Abraham, how was, how'd you sleep? Abraham, what should I do this week? Hey, Abraham. So he's hearing this consistently every day. Abraham, Abraham. It's a prophetic word. Abraham. It's God's destiny for him, Abraham. And he's hearing his name. Destiny, 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 destiny. Think about that. Look what God's done. He's gone from a place of by yourself to now. Now others are going to help you understand who you're called to be. Just by me changing your name. Because he didn't sit there and go, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, but don't tell anyone. So, I mean, what's that going to do? Nothing. And God says, I'm going to get everybody involved in this. Why? Because I have a plan for your life, and I need you not only to hear it from yourself, but I need you to hear it from other people. Sarah, in her position, she's got a more traumatic experience. So why doesn't she change her name completely to something, you know, greater than, staying the same. See, she got a massive change that she needed. She went from Sarai, father named her princess, to God breathed, I'm your dad and you're my princess. She just became God's princess. From her natural dad to father God's princess. Now, all she hears, you're God's princess. You're God's princess. Now, look what she's doing. She's going out telling everybody, you just say, I'm God's princess. I'm God's princess. Can you imagine, you know, being a part of this big old clan? And all of a sudden, these two wake up one day and start going around saying, my name's changed. Call me this now. That's when you're like going, huh, I about to think I'm going to find another job. But the point is, is these two are are people of character. Have they made mistakes? Yeah. But they've also owned up to their mistakes. Have they blown it? Yeah. They've made bad decisions. They've, They've done things that weren't correct. But I believe because of their heart, just like I believe with anyone, if your heart's right... You can make mistakes. You can fail because people know this about you. And when they know this about you, it's all good. The people that are going to go at you and come at you, they don't know this about you. They don't know your heart. So it doesn't matter what they think. Do you understand? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all what they think. It matters those that know you. And those that know you know who you are. They know you're not perfect, but they know your heart. That's what matters to me, and I want that to matter to you. Amen? Because like I say, integrity matters above everything. People want to hear, look, give me the ABCs of faith. Give me the one, two, threes of spiritual dynamics of prayer. Man, I'd rather teach you not to lie because none of that matters. Churches are good at going through all the spiritual mumbo-jumbo. And then we all understand how to pray in tongues and different languages of tongues, how to understand the heavenly tongue, the warring tongue, the, the, the cuckoo tongue, and how do you believe in this, and how do you read the Bible and read the Bible this way and read the Bible that way, understand Hebrew, understand Greek, Aramaic, and go through all these different things. And, and these are the three levels of heaven. This is the, and we go through this stuff, and you can't even go to work and be truthful. You can't take a 15 minute break, you gotta take a 31 late for work, early to get off work. Can't tell the truth. And we think that we tie success in the faith as being super spiritual. And I'm telling you, that goes entirely against Scripture. Most wacko spiritual Christians don't even get that. I mean, literally, I've been in church a while now at a high level. And I've seen the crazy people that literally design and and drive their their position or identity as a super Christian by trying to act spiritual, trying to talk spiritual, trying to worship spiritual. And they just carry on this picture, but in their own personal lives, they're a train wreck. But see, what they wanna present to is what most Christians fall into the trap of. Look how spiritual, look how beautiful they sing. Look how awesome they are. Look how they smile at the door. Aren't they wonderful? They're just so special. You ain't living with them 24-7. There's some nasty people that are smiling at you. (laughs) You don't know that. You don't know them. That's what I'm saying. We're we're allowing ourselves to go this way and to believe these things because that's that's the way our generation is right now. I mean, we believe everybody. What anybody puts on Instagram, it's true. No, it ain't. It's not true. I've told you the stories. I told you the story of a guy I've seen do it. I've seen his wife, and they were arguing, fighting. And all of a sudden, she pulls out, she's like going, you're going to do this. And he's like going, arr, arr. and all of a sudden, picture, and he's like, I love you forever. And then back to, arr, arr. and I'm going, dude, this is it. That's a lie, fakeness. But see, they're going to throw it out there. And everybody else is going to look at it and go, why don't you be like him? That guy's a dog. And you, pre- just because of that fake picture. <laughs> why? Because you're conned. You're tripping. See, we've gone from instant gratification of all this fakeness, where it used to be, we'd watch soap, well, not we, but people watch soap, all, soap operas all day. And they want to know, why are you like this? They're actors. They're not even married. That's fake. And you're dreaming, going, I wish they were like Claude. I wish my husband was like Claude. Claude is so wonderful. He does everything right. He's an actor. Are you kidding me? But that's what we do human nature. Human nature. So, what do we have to do? Get real. Start living life correctly. And so now we have this beautiful picture of Sarah now looking at herself in a whole different identity. Why? Because her name, everything about her is is redefining her. And this redefining starts redesigning her mindset. Abram, Abraham, redefining, starts redesigning his mindset. To now, he's like, I believe. I believe. And the Bible says that Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This wasn't a simple journey. It was times of difficulty. It was times where he was battling how this could be done. The maid had a son he called Ishmael. And Ishmael, Abram starts saying, let's use him as the one. And God's going, no. Sarah, Sarah's gonna be the one. That in itself is amazing because when we get to the nitty gritty of the covenant, Abram's 99 and Sarah's 89. And God's going, you guys are going to do this. I can tell you right now, majority of every picture of Sarah and Abram are these just these old, frail people in concept, in picture, and anybody ever hear the Bible in audio? You hear audio, the audio of it? Who, who, who's heard it? You heard it. All right, go listen to Genesis and, and, and listen to them because you're going to get to the place where they're talking old and they're going, Sarah's like going, I don't what's going to happen to me. And Abram's sitting there going, go find Isaac, my son. And the dude has six kids after that. I'm telling you, no, serious. See, the issue is this religion and everything about it makes us see a, a picture that's not true. Because what we see is Sarah, Sarai, you know, she's in her 80s and a king, a king, is wanting to take her as his wife. That's amazing. Is it not? That's just just an awesome, beautiful picture to see correctly. Just like when we look at the disciples. What do we see? A bunch of old guys. I mean, look at any picture of the disciples. You will not see a biblical picture of them. You're going to see a religious picture of them. And they're, you know, 30-some-year-old guys with Jesus. And they were teenagers. The only one that probably wasn't was Peter. And he probably was in his 20, 21, 22. The rest were teenagers. Now you can sit there and go, oh, it makes sense. Right? I mean, I do. I, it, when I saw the picture of that correctly, then I seen now I why they, why they did what they did. They were just, you know, how teenagers are. Gosh, I got two of them. But the thing is, is you have this picture that's not real, and it leads us to believe things that aren't real. But when we see the truth, all of a sudden things come to light. And that's what we have to see in this story. We have to look at what's happening when God is giving this revelation or this picture to help us understand, how do, I, how do I get to the place of the experience of change where I'm walking down this journey with God and, and we're, 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 we're connecting with this destiny that he has me walking. And believe me, destiny is not defined as a missionary in Africa. Because all of a sudden, we think anytime God's going to call you, it's got to be this crazy call where you have to leave everything. But that in itself is contrary to Scripture. Not saying he he might not call you to something like that, but that's going to be far and few between. Because if I read the Bible correctly, what I see is salt of the earth, light of the world. And I see a world and a light that, that has to be driven in that world, meeting every area in the world, not just distant areas where you've given up everything to live by yourself you know, and eat coconuts. And say that's God's call. God's call is for you to be a light working at Costco. A light. That's probably the highest calling there is. You being a witness in places that other people can't get because you're the salt and light there. That's powerful to know that you have a call to where you go, wherever that is, whatever vocation. We think, well, it's it, uh, if I'm... Want to be a doctor? Isn't that wrong? Shouldn't I have to be a Sunday school teacher? Shouldn't I have to be a pastor? And we start laying down this religious picture of this is God's destiny, and that's not true at all, at all. Whatever that heart desire or drive you have right now, God isn't sitting there going, "Oh man, you're going to screw everything up." That's not true. You want to be an accountant? You want to be a whatever? All I want you to see right now, because i'm I'm building a foundation because next Sunday I'm blasting down with some keys. I didn't have time to to run through it, but I've got uh, four major keys that will help us all move into a whole different level, whole different level. What I wanted you to see though, right now is I just wanted you to see a picture of God, and it's going to become even amplified in the sense that the revelation of who Abram is, Abraham, and that picture, as well as the picture of Peter and others, is an amazing thing what happens to what God wants you to see, other than what religion would like to tell you. Because I've heard, it's like Peter, I've heard so many wacko teachings on Peter that used to be called Simon. And when you literally look up and, and pay attention to his name, Simon, you, you lose this concept of Peter, hey, he's a rock now, and he was a loser then. Simon was able to become Peter because Simon's name. And it literally means an attentive, good listener. That's Simon. Now, that doesn't mean one that keeps their mouth shut because that wasn't Peter. But what he was is he listened and he listened with an attitude of, I want to know, but he would get in the way. His zeal, his attitude would interfere with listening. I know I'm not talking to anyone in here right now. Are you hearing? And so he'd want to hear, 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 hear. He just had a difficult time of putting it all together. That's an identity issue. That's all it is. It's identification. And what we're gonna do is next Sunday, we'll reveal, I'm gonna reveal the keys of how we look at what happened, what took place and how we respond to this so that we are part of the 8% forever. Everything we do, we're a part of the 8%. This isn't something terrible and difficult and I've, I've got to run a 10K to accomplish not at all. This is called having gains. I'm not talking about weight gains. I'm saying having gains in the sense that you're going to understand life is about having the ability to move forward and even an inch is moving forward. And by understanding that success, we can move past the The lies and deception of religion that's going to demand. Why aren't you here? Why don't you read this much? Why don't you pray this much? Why don't you talk Christianese? And why don't you add a hallelujah? And why don't you, and just, why didn't you win them to Jesus? And why didn't you tell them about the Lord? And you just pressure, pressure, pressure. And it it isn't going to produce anything at all. Like I said, you want to be the greatest light? Be the one that's a person of their word. I'm going to tell you, you're going to make a major impact. Be the one that's on time. Be the one when they say, hey, 15-minute break, you take 15, you're right there. And everybody else, they're nowhere to be found. I guarantee you that in itself will elevate you to higher levels in life. Integrity matters completely. And by the way, God did say, you can have all these gifts, and you can have all these titles, but if you can't rule your own house, you don't deserve any of it. You can hear pastors, you can hear any people in ministry talk about that. Why? Because their houses are out of order, but they have special calling of God. Whatever. We want to do the life thing, right? And that's what we're going to do. Father, we thank you for the word and we thank you for your truth. And we, we want to be able to look at this, look at these stories, this information, this history that is in your word, and be able to put this in place in our lives. You're a God of patience. You're a God that's connected with us even when we do wrong, but you will keep your hope toward us. Your belief is in us because everything rides on your covenant, and that covenant is perfect. So, Father, I thank you that as we've, hear, we've heard the word, that this word is already touching our hearts, and this information is transforming how we start thinking and seeing this area of responsibility we have of connecting with your belief in us and your desires for great things in your kingdom. So I believe for every person in here to start connecting and start operating in a new level in their walk that will be consistent and faithful to your goodness and your love and your grace for their lives. And we thank you, Father, for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen.